Good morning, New Life Manitou. My name is Carl. Would you please stand for the scripture reading? Today's reading is from Colossians 2, verses 6 through 15. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness See to it that no one takes you captive through the hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is head over every power and authority, and in him, you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ, He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Remain standing, if you would, as we pray, Lord. Make us like this as this set of verses opens, that we would be rooted and built up in you, strengthened in faith as we were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Lord, this is our simple prayer, and we pray it in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and God's people shouted, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. So Paul writes in Colossians, we're on this Colossians sermon series, Uh, last week he talked about a mystery, like a treasure. Has anybody ever read Treasure Island? Uh, It's it's an old book now. And he, in the book, talks about treasures and hidden maps and, and, and chests that are opened and secretive. And Paul says there is a mystery. There is a chest, in, in, in other words, that is now open that anyone can know about. The mystery has been revealed. And this mystery is, do you remember from last week? Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so that's what the mystery is. It's been revealed. And here in chapter two, he opens up by saying, now remain in him. Continue to live your lives in him, just as you received him, it says. And then today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not assume that everyone in here has received him. And that later today, but right before we take communion, I'm going to mention again, and, and after we take communion, there'll be a time to come down and receive prayer. And if anyone in here is like, I would like to receive him. I, I, I know about him, but I would like to receive him. Today's the day to come and pray and to receive him. But point number one of this sermon, point one is quite long. And then we'll get to point two and three will be quick, just in case you're wondering about this sermon. Point one is con- to continue to live your lives in him. It says, so this, just then, as you receive Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthening in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. This verse reminds me of, we have a CD uh, that we play in our minivan 
always, no matter what. It's a kid's CD. And we got this CD. Someone at, at New Life North uh, like wrote these songs and recorded them and gave them to every kid at kids camp. How many of you parents were at kids camp? A couple kids were at kids camp. And so uh, if you go to kids camp, you get this CD. We've put it in our CD player in our minivan and it has not come out since June. We have listened to this CD probably a thousand times. On our, when we were on sabbatical, we went to and from Fort Collins, which is a six hour trip with little kids. And we listened to this CD for six hours. And as a parent and as a pastor, I heard myself say, I hate this CD. And the kids are screaming, we want to sing about Jesus. <laughs> Lord, help us, help us, help us, Lord. So this CD, song number nine is, so this, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. That's just imprinted on my mind. I've heard it probably more than a thousand times. And it's the point of this sermon. Just as you've received Christ, remain in him, continue in him with your lives. Like the, the sun and the planets orbiting the sun, remain in orbit around the sun. I'm going to quote a preacher who wrote in the preacher's guide. The New Life uh, Church puts together these preacher's guides and different people get to write in them. And our own uh, Brett Davis got to write uh, on this passage. And he writes this, a brilliant poetic quote. Listen to it. The solar system exists in orbit around soul, Latin word for sun, Without that defining center, order would erode, chaos in sinew, life disappear. In proper orbit, however, all things flourish. Having established for his listeners the center of the universe, Paul is now imploring them to remain stable in their orbit around Jesus that's the living pulse of Paul's thought here. Remain rooted and built up in the incarnate, crucified, resurrected, and cosmic sun. Don't stray from the sun, S-O-N. Because we were once, we were once doing our own thing. Paul says it this way. Once, verse 11, your whole self was ruled by the flesh, and that was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. So you were once living a certain way, and that was cut off and discarded, and that's your old way, the old flesh. And if you think that analogy is awkward, you're right. It's an awkward analogy. Let's just talk about the elephant in the room. There's a lot of awkwardness in the Bible. I've, as a pastor, you're supposed to read the Bible. I've read the whole Bible from cover to cover. I've led groups of people. We called it the cover to cover club when I was the mill uh, college ministry pastor. We would have groups every year reading the Bible from cover to cover. So I've read the Bible a good share of times, but nothing compares to reading the Bible out loud to little kids and realizing how awkward and not G-rated the Bible is. You know, it starts off with Adam and Eve and Adam knew his wife. Dad, what's to know your wife mean? We'll talk about that later. Let's just turn the page. Then you turn the page and it gets worse. Like Cain, a brother, kills Abel. Let's just, you know, turn the page. And Noah gets drunk and naked by himself. And you're like, okay, let's turn the page. Let's keep going. There's got to be. And it gets to Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot's daughters. And it's just the shame and horrendous sin and embarrassment in the Bible. This is real life. Let us never, let's look at this analogy and say, let's never pretend we just have to paint a smile on our face and come to church and like everything is perfect. That Paul here is engaging us in 
this very real analogy. And then it gets to this. He says something about baptism. Having been buried with him in baptism. So Paul's talking about past tense. You, you were, you were you know, circumcised in Christ and now you've been buried with him in baptism and you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Think about that in baptism. We, we do baptisms. We've baptized several people here. We're going to do baptisms again in o- the end of October. How we do it is warm water. We bring it and, and we have a little trough set up. And usually right after church, we go down and we baptize them. And they go down into the waters. Praise the Lord. And it's like representing death. This is your old life. You are now dead in the water. And you are now becoming clean. And you're raised up like Christ was raised from the dead. And this is what salvation is like. And so now Paul says to remain in that. Now you've been resurrected. Those of you that have been baptized, you've been resurrected from the dead. You've been, your sins have washed. You're now with Christ. And so continue with him, remain in him, participate in him. I'm going to talk about this remaining thing, and it's, it's really a better way to participate, to continue, is what the actual word says here. I'm going to quote uh, uh, Maximus the Confessor. I put this on my Facebook wall earlier this week, and some of you liked it. I appreciate your likes. And it's, it's a quote about participating. This is a quote getting to the heart of why God would have made his, this creation and all of us as his creatures. Listen to what it says. It says, God full beyond all fullness, brought creatures into being. That's us and the whole, all of creatures, creation. He brought them into being, not because he had any need of anything, but so that they might, so we might participate in him in proportion to their capacity and that he himself might rejoice in his works. Boom, write that quote down. That's something to think about that we were created as creatures to live in him, to continue to participate in him to the capacity at which we're able to so that he might delight in his works. Boom, that's pretty cool, right? Amen, amen. Just remain, think about this, just remain in him, continue in him. Maybe some of you, this word remain is kind of more of a passive understanding, like remaining in something is like, oh, I'm just going to sit for three days on the couch and eat Doritos, like just remain, just got to remain, just got to sit there. And that's not, you, you realize that that's a joke, like that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Instead, I thought of the analogy of like riding a bike remaining on the bike. As you're moving, you continue to keep going on the bike, right? You're, you're, if you're teaching a kid how to bike, just get moving and then your balance will come. Whereas as soon as you stop, what happens? You fall over. I was asking John, who's probably, did you guys raise your hand, John? This guy's the best bike rider in here, hands down. Am I right, Kurt? Am I right, Craig? Uh, he's the best. Um, he, he might look, look a, a few days older than you, but he's better than you when it comes to riding a bike. I can guarantee it. I can just put money on it right now. Anyways, I said, John, how, if you came to a stop on your bike, how long could you, could you stay there? And he said, maybe three seconds if the wind wasn't blowing. And so think about that analogy. If we come to a halt, if we think remaining in Christ is just like Doritos on the couch for three days straight, like that's, that's, that's not. It's more participate. It's to continue in Christ, to stay riding on our bike in Christ around this orbit, always in motion around Jesus, as Brett gave us that analogy. I'm going to give us a quick rabbit trail about a church 
called Laodicea. Uh, tech guys, if you could put up a map of, of the world, this is modern day Turkey. And you could see at the upper right hand corner, it says Colossae. That's the town we're talking about. Paul wrote a letter to this church in Colossae. And just up, uh, I guess, down the river, a couple miles away in the zoomed in portion of this map is a little city that starts with an L. Can you read it? I test. Laodicea, good, okay. So Laodicea is a church right next to Colossae, just a few miles down the river. And there's this church is famous in the Bible, or should I say infamous, <laughs> you know where I was going, because it's a church that uh, John, so don't pay attention here, don't lose, don't get lost in this rabbit trail. We're talking about a different city now and a different letter. But John writes to the church in Laodicea, says, to the angel of the church of Laodicea, write this, I know your deeds, that you are neither Thou, I'm impressed you all knew that. So you are neither hot or cold. In other words, you're lackadaisical. You are remaining like you're on the couch eating Doritos for days and days at a time. That is not what participating in Christ, that is not what remaining in orbit around Jesus really is. You're neither hot or cold. And in this passage, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. It's Revelation 3. You can go read it later. But it talks about how, he, how God wants to spit the city out of his mouth because they're neither hot and cold. And there, there's a warning. And then there's, please buy from me gold refined in the fire. Please buy from me for free the solve that you can un put on your eyes and then you will see and you will wear a right ro white robe. But do not stay where you are. You are neither hot or cold. Find the Lord. Stay in him. Walk with him. Do not wander from the faith. I think all of us in here, if you've been a Christian for more than a couple of years, you probably know someone who was a Christian and have now wandered from the faith. Anyone? Let's pray for these people. Like I, I can think of several people. I think of someone in high school who was very strong, a part of the youth group, very strong in Christ, led others to Christ, would invite people to the youth group, just a, a model youth group kid. Uh, and then he began to wander in high school. And he, it, towards the end of his high school years, completely rejected Christ and the church. But I remember him on that journey of just wandering away. And he just was, I, I don't know what at the bottom of his heart was the deal, but he was, he was talking about wandering around and wandering in the faith. And he even quoted, and I would kind of say misquoted that, that quote from Tolkien that says, not all who wander are lost. And I remember hearing him say that in this context. And I wanted to say, but most are. <laughs> I mean, the quote in that book, it's a good quote, is really about adventure and getting out and exploring and fully being engaged in life and, and wandering in that sense. But this kid was, was just turning his back on the Lord and wandering from the Lord and, and kind of misquoting that Tolkien quote. Point number two is this. Point number two is do not be captivated by hollow and deceptive philosophy. So Paul says, you know, remain in him, continue in him. You, you, you are in Christ, remain in him. And one of the things is verse eight, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the element, elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Ideas have power. And Paul says, remain in him. Do not, do not be captivated by different philosophies of this world. There is a, a guy in town, a, a friend of mine, someone who I looked up, up to. He's the president of Summit Ministries. Any Summit Ministry people? Dan, a couple people. Um, 
So the president of Summit Ministries, Jeff uh, Myers, wrote a book and I, a couple years ago, right before it came out. I think it was right as he was sending it to his publishers. I got to go fishing with Jeff Myers. We were catching salmon, the, the salmon, the red kokanee salmon run uh, on the Dream Stream. It's, it was a pretty special day. And it got even more special when we were on our way back. And Jeff said, he's talking about his new book, which was uh, the title of it is The Secret Battle of Ideas About God, Overcoming the Outbreak of Five Fatal Worldviews. And so there's these worldviews the deceptive philosophies and worldviews that are so prevalent today. And, and we were talking about it. He says, well, I have it here. I had, he had his iPad there. He said, want me to read the first chapter? And I was like, oh, like a little girl. Oh, yes, please. Like the author reading his own book before it even comes out. This is awesome. And he tells the story. It, his book opens up. It's like a, it's like a, um, kind of an encyclopedia book, but it's written with these stories. And his story was very captivating. It's, he opens up saying, uh, the, retelling the story of 9-11, which we just had another anniversary on Tuesday. He said, at 9-11, there was people... Uh, there doing different things with very different philosophies. He said there was the philosophy and the religion of the people who would be the terrorists and the suicide uh, bombers in the plane crashing into the buildings. And they had a philosophy and that philosophy was very dangerous. And he says there was other people and he, he targets in on this guy, just an average person who was working in one of the towers. And he says that this person was a Christian. This person would end up being a hero and, and his story would be told and retold in this book and other places as well. That he knew kind of had this idea that the building was coming down, there was smoke in the building, and he just had this thought by God and, and, and what, what, you know, Jesus teaches to, you know, help other people, not destroy them. And so he went up into the building and got people out. When he got those people out, he went right, right back in and got some more people out and helped people. And with this philosophy, this Christian philosophy of helping people, he went in and saved many people and then eventually was in the tower as it fell. He gave his life for other people. And this book, just brilliantly, brilliantly written by Jeff Myers, is this, yes, ideas matter. And if we are going to remain in Christ, do not be deceived by other philosophies. Let me ask a question for you, everyone in here. You won't have to raise your hand. This is a question just for you in this time. But what philosophy is tempting you? I mean, there's lots of philosophies in this world. What philosophy is dragging you away? Think about um, some of the common philosophies of this day are to just be happy or to just live for pleasure, or to, we hear this saying a lot, just follow your heart. But that philosophy, if that's your leading and guiding thing in life, that's going to lead you away from Christ. It's going to lead you from participating in Christ. I like the way Eugene Peterson has the message translation. Some people love it because it's a paraphrase. Other people hate it because it's a paraphrase. Um, but he says this, he translates this passage like this. He says, you don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ, uh, to, to, to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. Like, let Christ be the center and our philosophy and what is true comes out of him rather than deceptive philosophies of this day. Do not be captivated by a philosophy. This last point is this. Point three is in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. 
We talked about this a couple weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago when we just said, Jesus is God. And we remember we did the nerd alerts and you, you made your sounds and we just went on and on hitting this, this one idea that Jesus himself is God. Here it is once again. I don't know how anyone, and there's people that do, take the Bible and they say, well, did Jesus ever really, you know, was he really God? Does the Bible really say he was God? Well, just read this again. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Jesus plus nothing is everything. Jesus plus nothing is everything. Christianity is Christ. Imagine yourself uh, listening, eavesdropping. You're, you're at a restaurant or something, or a coffee shop, and you're listening to another, uh, two people talking. One's a Christian, one's not. And the one who's not a Christian is just kind of asking, so what's the deal? What is this Christianity thing all about? And the person starts talking. Maybe you've actually heard people. Maybe you have been in that seat getting to tell people about Jesus. And you could, you know, people could say, well, you know, Jesus, you know, provides the answer to our dreams. Jesus provides happiness. Jesus provides, you know, you could say, you know, health. And we could pray to him. Sure, sure, sure. Jesus provides, you know, a better way of living. Yes, of course. Sure. That's what Christianity is. Uh, Christianity is, you know, bringing, you know, social help in the world. Sure, sure. Yes, yes. Christianity is, uh, you know, maybe... Whatever, you know, you could say what Christianity is, but if Christ is not the center of your description of Christianity, then we've got it wrong. Christ plus nothing is everything. Here's another quote by a a theologian, N.T. Wright. Many of you know him. Look up to him as I do. He says this in his uh, commentary on Colossians about this passage. And he writes, says, talking about Jesus, put him in the middle of the picture of your world and that world will stop spinning in incomprehensible circles and begin to make sense. Seems like a great definition of Christianity. That's Jesus. And when Jesus is the center of our lives, then we can stop spinning out of control and we can realize that he is the answer to questions we have not even asked. Remain in Jesus. That's what Paul tells us to do. Remain in him. And for some of you, I'm looking around, there's a lot of new people today, which I appreciate, love. Um, some of you that have come for a while or, or are new, like you're, you're being invited into something. If, if you would, you know, this whole message is about remaining Christ, remaining Christ. But some of you are like, well, how, how do I get started? How do I even belong to Christ? Well, you give your life to him. And it's, it's a long road, a long obedience in the same direction, but it has to begin somewhere. And today would be a great place, a great time for that to begin. At the end of service after communion, we'll have an altar ministry up here. And come forward, receive prayer. Ask these wonderful people up here what it is like to follow Christ and who he is. Be invited into making Christ the center as we orbit our lives around him. Would you bow your head with me this morning? I'm going to read for you a scripture. And then uh, Brett, after that, is going to come up and lead us in communion. But listen to this. This is the continuation. We already read this. Carl was up here and already read this. But now with the knowledge and understanding of what this passage is all about, Paul's going to talk about Christ. And here's what this says. Verse 13. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of the legal indebtedness, he stood against us and condemned us and he has taken it away and he has nailed it, nailing it to the cross. 
And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross.